Thank you to our amazing sponsor, my favorite realtor, Brianna Hoffman. If you are ready to buy or sell your house right now, you should do it. And interest rates are still very low. It's a great time to buy or sell. For ICU podcast listeners, Brianna has a special deal going on. If you both sell your house and buy a house with Brianna and mention the ICU podcast, she will give you 50% off the listing fees to sell your house. To find out more, check out her website, brianna-hoffman.com. And Brianna is spelled with only one N. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I See You. Welcome to the I See You podcast. This is episode 80 giving up control with my sister, Amy Strong. I am so excited because I'm sitting, well, like precisely six feet away from my co-host slash guest slash sister, Amy Strong. I walked in and she literally was sitting in her chair with a tape measure stretched out, pointed at me like a gun. (laughs) And we have to be too careful. And we have to say hand sanitizer too. (laughs) Um, Welcome back to the podcast, Amy. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. You've become somewhat of a celebrity on this podcast as you've been featured multiple times on the show. So first on episode three, we talked about the poop and the hair. That's hard to forget. It is. That was back when the podcast was just a little baby. And then on episode 17 with all the girls in our family. And then your husband was on episode 34, learning to receive where he sang and wowed us all. (laughs) Amy, you approached me just a couple days ago about recording an episode together, which is fun because we don't see each other as much right now because, you know, hashtag coronavirus. Right. You approached me because you've had to learn a lot about giving up control through the years. And with the coronavirus epidemic, and there's a lot of people feeling really uncertain, you had thought that you might be able to share some of the things that you've, you've had to learn throughout the years. Yes. So will you start by telling us a little bit about your more recent diagnosis? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So some of you know that in 2016, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and found out I was pregnant with our sixth child in the same week. We moved forward with treatment. I had a double mastectomy. I did chemotherapy. I did radiation and hormone therapy. My little baby came healthy to us and he's three now and is still healthy. And we received many miracles and love at that time. Since then, I've had multiple reoccurrent scares. My husband, Ryan, and I have just decided part of life with having had cancer is that when you think it's come back, you just go get checked. That's emotionally how I deal with it. I have to have a doctor tell me that I'm okay. In May, I started having this pain in my chest. And the second I had it, I freaked out. And I went and cried to Ryan. I said, it's back. It's in my lungs. I already knew that if breast cancer travels to your lungs or liver, that it's terminal. Other places it might travel might be more treatable, but because it was the pain was in my chest, I just decided that it was in my lungs. And so Ryan said, hey, let's just go get checked. Let's not freak out. Let's just make a doctor's appointment and go get checked. And so I went and got checked and my doctor said, you know, you're not having a hard time breathing. I think you're okay. Let's take the weekend and just see if this pain continues or goes away. And so I did and I didn't have the symptoms that I should have had if it was cancer but I still couldn't settle down my emotions. So I said I still wanted to do a scan. So a couple days later, 
I had a CT scan, and while in that scan, the technician paused the scan for a little while, and I, you know, was kind of confused with why it was taking so long, and he came in after a few minutes, and I asked him a couple questions about, are you getting all the way up to my neck and all the way down to my tailbone? And he was like, yeah. He kind of stumbled, and he he said, we're just, we're seeing uh, something, a little something in your liver. It's probably nothing. We just want to get a couple more pictures. Okay, so he said liver, and I immediately was like, I know. I know there's cancer in my liver. And he was not supposed to tell me that. Just like freaked out, right? But I remained calm while the scan finished. And then I went back and my mom had come with me and was waiting for me. And as soon as I saw her, I just went and collapsed and cried and hyperventilated and tried to pass out. And and all the medical professionals around came in and, and helped me. And I remember the radiologist came in and said, hey, what's wrong? And I said, the technician said they saw something in my liver. And so the radiologist went to go look at the scans so he could come back and reassure me that everything was okay. Well, I didn't come back for a while. And eventually when he did, he said, you know what? Your doctor wants to meet with you. Can you go over right now? So I knew, I knew that I had relapsed and Ryan met me at the doctor's office and my doctor showed us he showed us that there were several large masses in my liver. You know, interestingly enough, the pain in my chest didn't really have anything to do with it and went away after a couple of days. So I didn't have any symptoms from it, but there it was. And like I said, I knew that if it went to my liver, it was terminal. And we were told that it was, that it was not curable, that I had best case scenario would be maybe five years, but a more realistic prognosis was one to two years, which was quite devastating. We're like a month and a half out from it being a year. You've been here a year um, yeah. since your diagnosis. How'd you process all of that? That's a lot. Yeah, it was interesting. Like that first day, you know, Ryan didn't go back to work and we just spent the day together and we were hysterical. We were like laughing, making so many inappropriate jokes together. And then we would be crying so hard. You know, my mom was there with us and left to go take care of the kids after Ryan called his parents and told them. And then we just spent the day together that day and then moving forward, I think we just went through the stages of grief that you always hear about. And I think you've talked about this on your podcast, how it's not like this linear, you do one, then the other, then the other, like you jump back and forth. We tried to find a way, we didn't call it this at first, but a way to control the cancer. And we saw others do this too. Like you try to wrap your head around it. Like I'm 35, we have six little kids, right? I've been married for coming up on 14 years. It's just not okay to find out that you have terminal cancer. One of the first things that I realized was that I would never be a grandma. And that was so heartbreaking. And we're just sitting on Ryan's lap and saying that. And he was so sweet. He was like, not the same way you would have, you know. And we have a lot of faith in God and believe in an afterlife. And talked about being able to be an angel to grandchildren. But not the same as what I had expected for my life. So you jump to trying to figure it out, right? How to figure out how to get out of the situation. How to solve the problem. And we watched other people do this too, as we told people close to us and friends and neighbors about the diagnosis. You'd see people, the wheels turning in their heads and trying to figure out how for this cancer to be cured and how to control it. And we had people who love us approach us with lots of different ways to control it. And you guys have probably heard of a lot of these. There's a lot of options out there for how to treat cancer. There's, you know, the traditional medicine chemotherapy. You know, we were given a pamphlet about a special powder I could take, fermented wheat germ, vitamin C injections, using silver to cure it, changing my diet so there's no sugar in it, using mindfulness. If I could just, you know, reach this point of mindfulness and picture the tumors shrinking that they would, um, using calcium through faith. You know, I'd have people say, I'm praying for you so you won't die. 
all of these things are tools and there's reasons that people brought them to us because they loved us and they believed in them. Trying to take control like this is hard because one, you're you're trying to examine who has the authority, who has the knowledge. But so it makes it difficult as it puts the responsibility on me, right? Like if I find the right treatment, if I find the right thing, then I can cure my cancer. You're ultimately in charge of curing it. Yes, I'm ultimately in charge. It's all up to you. Yes, which means if it grows, if I if I don't cure it, that it's it's on me. I did something wrong. I'm to blame for that. That's kind of the end of that road. The last couple months, I remember having this conversation with my doctor because I'll always bring things to him like, hey, I heard about this thing. What are your thoughts? And he's so humble and good. And so he always listens and validates. And then he'll he'll tell me what research is showing about it. He'll take it to the pharmacist and let me know like what data is out there so that that could be part of our ongoing conversation. And I talked to him and I said, hey, can I control this cancer? Can I? Is there any way to, you know, I said, we talk about trying to control it through, I'm doing chemotherapy right now. So through chemo, can I control it through chemo? Can I control it through my faith? We talk about that. He's, he's very religious also. And so we talk a lot about what power there is in faith. Am I able through my faith to control the cancer? I am doing a, a sugar-free diet right now, not eating sugar is it possible to slow the cancer's growth or stop the cancer's growth? What control do I really have? You know, and I came home after this discussion with him and he said some interesting, insightful things. And I talked to Ryan about it and he said something that was so wise. He said, maybe control is the wrong word. And that was so inspiring to me and just got me thinking so much. I spend so much time, whether I've used the word control or not in the past, like we spend so much time trying to control it, but maybe control is just the wrong word. And I was talking specifically about this diet. And so as we like talked more, I changed it to compassion. Instead of trying to control the cancer, I decided I can have compassion for myself and for my body and eat really well to be a good steward and to show gratitude for my body, but not as a, I'm trying to control the results. Just I am doing what I can and I am letting go of the results, leaving that to a higher being, to the experiences and mortality. But I am doing what I can to be kind to myself and my body. What does it look like to let go of control? Initially, letting go of control, I think, is really hard. We think that we have control over a lot more in life than we really do. Admitting a lack of control puts us in this very vulnerable position, which, like, we don't really have control. So it was never there. But you think about all of the terrible things that happen in the world. And I think especially since becoming a parent, those things have become more horrific. Like, I just can't hear about a lot of the details in the world. I say that because I just, like, shrivel up. Because the reality then becomes if something terrible has happened to someone else in the world, it's possible that it could happen to me or a loved one if I admit that I have a lack of control over those things. And that is a really, really hard reality. When we hear about something hard that happens, a lot of times we jump to blaming someone. For instance, like if a young child gets hit and killed by a car, tragic situation, and immediately people jump into why. Why did this happen? Were the parents being negligent? Was the driver being an idiot or on drugs or something? Was it bad weather? Was the kid just an idiot? People say really judgmental, harsh things. And I think it's a protective measure. I think it's because... To just sit back and be like, you know what, this happened. And how do I show compassion and love instead of blaming? But blaming, if you blame, if you figure it out, if you figure out the situation and figure out who was in the wrong, then you protected yourself because you're never going to do that. 
You're not a negligent parent. You're not a bad driver. You're not ever going to let something like that happen. And so you feel secure again. You feel like you have control. It's kind of a type of black and white thinking, right? Like you've talked about on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Episode five. Yeah. I think black and white thinking is such a powerful principle to understand. I think that's what this is when you hear about hard things and figure out a way that it will happen to you. It's the same thing. Instead of living in that gray area, you're figuring out why bad things happen to other people and why they won't happen to you. But the big problem is when something hard does happen to you, like how do you handle that? How do you make sense of it? What happens to that sense of security? I think all of us can relate to this, right? So I have terminal cancer. And a lot of your listeners don't have terminal cancer, but I think this is a specifically important message to understand right now with coronavirus, because I see a lot of people who are full of fear. They're trying to control things that are out of their control, and it's really scary to see the virus spreading, and there's, there's a lot of unknown about the virus, right? Like, how bad will it get? How bad will the economy get? How close will it get to you? Will, will you get coronavirus? Will someone that you love get it? Will you be hospitalized? Will you die? How long is quarantine going to last? All of the surrounding things, like will you be able to get the food that you need? Will you keep your job? What else? I don't know. There's will tons. your marriage survive with your husband working from home? Yes. If you're in a super extrovert, it's really hard to be home. Like mentally, are you going to survive being stuck at home and not being able to go out and be with people? What would be your advice, though, of how do you move forward then? How do you move forward without control? So a little while ago, I learned about circle of control versus cir- circle of influence, which is terms <laughs> by Stephen Covey, where you look at your life and you look at what do I really have control over and what do I have influence over? And you kind of start in a lot of things that you ha- think you have control over. Like as you examine it, you realize you really have influence over it, but not control. It can be hard, a hard realization at first because of that vulnerable place you find yourself in. But there's also a lot of peace that comes in recognizing what you can control because that means there's something that you can master. There's like a direction you can put your efforts towards. When I was first diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016, I was terrified. Cancer was, I wasn't super familiar with it and I wasn't sure what exactly life was going to look like for me and my family. And I just had this image of just total suffering for the rest of my life and for my family for the rest of their lives. Everything was going to be bad. Eventually, I came to this place where I realized that there were some things that had not changed. I was still Amy Strong. My husband was still Ryan Strong. We were still in love. It was still just us. It was still just us doing this new normal. And we got to choose how to battle cancer. And it didn't matter how anyone else had done it before. We got to choose what we wanted that to look like. We got to choose what attitude we were going to have towards it. We got to choose what our home life was going to be like. Not entirely, but to a large degree with our kids. How honest and upfront we wanted to be with our kids. How much we still wanted to play with them and things. Whether we were going to live in a place of fear or a place of hope. Trying to live in the present and have joy together. I mean, we did. Not perfectly by any means. There were moments that of just so much despair and feeling sick and stuff that it's hard to always be grateful and positive. You Um, needed to be able to process negative emotions sometimes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. And I was angry sometimes, but our normal, we wanted to be a hopeful environment for all of us. And I think we did that for the most part. I could also choose, I could choose how to treat other people. I could choose how to treat doctors and nurses that helped me. 
I could choose how to treat my kids and my husband. I can always choose how I felt, but I could choose how to treat them. I could choose to recognize that Ryan was also battling this and he also needed breaks. And when I felt up to it, I could give him a night off to go play video games or go to a movie with his brothers. I could let these other people in my life take ownership of this story from time to time. I could be compassionate to them in their suffering as well. And the second time around, I've learned other things that I can also control. So I talked about how I can choose to eat healthy, to be compassionate to my body and show gratitude for it. I can also choose to believe that I'm strong enough to face whatever's to come. Sometimes I think about the future and the unknowns and it terrifies me and I feel myself start to crumble. But I can choose to believe that I'm a strong person and whatever comes, I'm going to be able to face it. I'm not the first person to have terminal cancer and I'm going to be able to do what I need to do. Okay, you talked earlier in your podcast at the beginning of the year about having a one word resolution instead of having goals. And I took that and ran with it. So my word is present, to be present. I can choose to live in the present and to look all my people in the eyes and notice the details of their faces and how they smell and soak in the goodness of this moment. I can choose that when there's a fresh wave of devastation, that comes over me to let myself feel it and then turn outward to other people. I can tell Ryan why it hurts so badly or call a sister or a friend. I can choose to go to a quiet place and kneel down and tell my Heavenly Father how much it hurts and turn to Him for help. I can believe that I'm strong, but I can also, when I am weak, look to others and especially look to my Heavenly Father for strength and be okay with my weakness there. Ultimately, I can choose to trust God with this. My my theme for life is the scripture, be still and know that I am God. I can choose that while I don't have control over this, he does. He has the ability to take care of all of this in whatever ways he sees best. I think it's important to take note that when you're looking at what you have control over, you need to be really honest with yourself because I think people could take it too far. Like you're in a hard marriage and you're like, I don't have control. And so I can excuse myself of all behavior kind of thing. If you really want goodness and happiness in your life, then it really does mean actually taking control and responsibility of what you really can change. That's just reminding me of what is that quote? There's like wisdom in acknowledging what you can change. And I don't know, probably just delete that. I don't remember because you don't remember either. And you're Isn't not, it? you're not finishing my phrase. There's wisdom. Why are you here? <laughs> what am I doing here? Fire me now. Help me change what I can and, and, and give up what I can't can. and yeah. know the difference. <gasps> I did it. That's close. It's close. It has the same meaning. Yeah, it's good. I remember once I was talking to my therapist, asking her questions that I thought you wanted answers to. <laughs> Sometimes we have therapists and we, we, we just kind of share. share their, we just share what we learn. Yeah. We share. It's like group therapy it individualized is. somehow. <laughs> it is the best. I'm like, what would your therapist say about that? This is what mine would say. No, but I remember talking to her after this most recent diagnosis and how you were having some people who were coming to you you know, saying if you have more faith or like, don't give up hope when they'd hear you say, I'm going to die, you know, that would be really difficult for them to hear. And they would say, Amy, don't give up hope. And I asked my therapist about that because her full-time job is working with terminally ill cancer patients that have stage four cancer. And I loved what she said to that, which I feel like you really embody as she said, you can tell those people, I'm not giving up hope. I'm hoping for different things. So maybe I'm not hoping that I am going to live until I'm 85. I am hoping for really good quality time with my kids right now. 
I am hoping for more time, as much time as I can possibly have. I am filled with hope, but my hope has changed. I'm hoping for different things. Yes. And that's a really beautiful place to live, I think. I think so, too. You know, you can control how you treat others. You can control how you live your life, how you talk about your spouse, how you listen or don't listen to others, how you spend your time. One big one is, like, choosing whether or not to let fear govern my emotions or, on the contrary, to have faith and hope. Okay, but then what in, right? But these are some things I brainstorm that I feel like you can always have hope in, no matter what the situation is. I think you can always have hope that there are good things to come. There is more good to be had. There is joy ahead. I think you can always have hope in the fact that this too shall pass and things will get better. However hard your situation is right now, right this second, whatever it is your heart is, it's not going to last forever. You maybe can't control how long it's going to last, how hard it's going to get, but you can know it will get better. You were just saying that about this weekend when you were so sick. You got really, really sick after this round of chemo. Yeah, so I'm doing chemo right now. I'm halfway, and this round was harder than the first two for some reason. I got, I mean, guys, do you know about chemo, right? So, like, so much diarrhea. I'm not supposed to say that on a podcast, but I did say poop in the last one. It's my theme, okay? <laughs> Just, like, so sick. My stomach hurt so much, and I got so weak, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to go to the hospital and get... IV fluids and stuff. I forgot again in the moment and I just felt like this is never going to end this suffering. Like how I feel. It was on Easter Sunday and I just felt so sick. But then it was like, you know, I turned a corner and it got better. And then I got all this energy and this positive outlook again. And I thought, why did I forget so quickly in the middle of the suffering that it doesn't last forever? It doesn't last forever. And you can have hope in that. Also, a big one is I think you can have faith and hope in people. Because I have found that most people are total rock stars. Like seriously killing it at life. They're so good. They're so good. I get hesitant to share my cancer story because I am so scared to try and do justice to the love people have shown me. I don't want to leave anyone out. And we have received so much, so much love and kindness and generosity from so many people. So I am testifying to you that that is something you can have hope in. There is evil in this world. There is so much good. I believe there's more good than evil. And I believe that most people in your life mean well and are sweethearts and will help you if you reach out to them. Yeah, they'll show up, right? They will show up. They will. People want to. People want to show up. They don't always know how, but they want to show up. The desire is there. Okay, also you can have faith in yourself. I watched some YouTube little inspirational video a while ago that was so good, but I definitely did swear, so I'm not going to like quote it exactly. But Whatever. Ryan said you guys swear during cancer, only during cancer. I don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> some more refined Trying cancer. to give it up. Trying to give it up. It's good. You're only allowed to swear when you're being funny. Swear if you need to, whatever. You get you get to control that, whether or not you swear. <laughs> okay. No, but in this little clip, it's talking about how actually awful the world is. Like, how bad it is. How What's scary is that we're so vulnerable, and there's actually, like, a real evil in this world. And we love so deeply, but we are, like, incredibly vulnerable. You feel like the safety net when you live in a first world country, and you have a good job, and you have a home, and, like, there's so many solids in your life. Most of that is not because of what you did, really. Those things can be taken away. And I think a lot of people are learning that with coronavirus, right? 
But in this little clip, he's like, that's true. But like, you are so freaking strong. You can't believe it. You don't even know how strong you are. So people, they see y'all bald and chemoed up and stuff. And everyone wants to tell you how strong you are, whether or not you really are. It's just the thing to say, right? It's the thing to say. It's just the thing to say. It's really nice. But like sometimes people would say to me and I'm just like, I feel so weak. I do not feel strong at all. And I was telling my therapist this and she showed me this quote and it says, you never know how strong you are until strong is your only option. I thought that is truth. Hard things can show you that you're stronger than you think you are. You can do more than you than you think you can. And sometimes surviving a day is strong. It may yes. look a little different than what you thought strong was. Those prisoners in Auschwitz, they were strong to survive a day at a time, right? Yes, or an hour at a time or a minute at a time, depending on what it is. The last and for me most important thing that I can have faith and hope in is in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. I have witnessed their tender care for me in my individual circumstances. And I have learned for myself that they are good and that they can be trusted with the things that I don't control. In our global circumstances of this coronavirus, and you most certainly could be the poster woman, (laughs) the poster child for being at risk. It'd be bad news if you got coronavirus. It would. Because you have very low blood counts. You could easily be really scared and panicked right now. How has learning to give up control before this, how is that helping you right now? I think that Ryan and I feel a lot of peace through coronavirus. What do we have control over? We can choose to quarantine. And we have hope and we pray that we don't get exposed to coronavirus and we don't get it, but we could. I could. I could get coronavirus. And if I got coronavirus, I think there'd be a high chance that I would die from it. And I say that nonchalantly, but it would be devastating. But at the same time, like worrying about something that I have no control over will not bring me peace now and it won't bring me joy now and there's a good chance it won't happen and so I don't want that to rob me of my present happiness so I think like being in this school of learning all these things that I don't have control over helps me to not worry so much about it love what I do have what I do have control over the good things in my life because most of my life is super good let tomorrow take care of itself let God take care of tomorrow let it be And trust in these good things. Have hope in these good things to come. And other people trust that with God, I'll be strong enough to, if coronavirus hits us, that we'll be strong enough to handle it. But hope that it doesn't, you know? And I just want to totally echo that. We've had different struggles, but uh, suffering in general. And then joy in general. One day at a time is the best way to live. Yeah. When things are good and when things are hard. Yep. One day at a time being completely present. That's a rich life to me. What's your favorite kind of ice cream? We didn't ask that. I haven't been doing that for a while. I used to ask everyone what their favorite kind of ice cream is. You're not eating you ice cream. I think so. Okay. That's what my fans tell the me. But you're not, e- to get you're not ice eating cream. ice cream right now. I except- still know the answer. <laughs> the best place to get ice cream is Rockwell Ice Cream in Provo, Utah. I don't know if they have it anywhere else. And it's the Muddy Buddy flavor. It's yes. It's so good. It's so good. And I sound like they like put me in here to advertise for them. <laughs> We should get them to sponsor this. But I found out that you can, what is it, where you call it? Like curbside. Mm. Oh, they delivered it to you? They delivered it to us. Because you had one night where you broke it. It is not cheap. Yeah, you spent like $27. (laughs) But it is worth it. But you did it on one night when you didn't do your diet for a second. Yeah, I was sad. And we were like, we were sad and wanted sugar. (laughs) (laughs) No regrets. It was so good. Ames, what advice would you give to someone who's having a really hard time giving up control? I do want you to answer, but I want to say the first thing you need to do is go listen to John Krasinski's Some Good News, SGN, oh my gosh. and watch all of them. Brian and I both have a crush on him. And we all have Emily. a crush on him. And Emily. They're the best. John couple. and Emily. Gemily. 
channel. <laughs> <laughs> it's either that or Emon. Oh, I want to be their neighbors. We should try and get that you on their show somehow. <laughs> so, that, like, how, because he filmed that one cancer kid, but it can be you. But it can be me. And he can do something really fun for you. Maybe he could draw kinds of hair on my bald head. <laughs> be such an honor, right? To, like, and he would say to you, and he's just like, like dry erase or something sometimes. Just like he says with the little girl, he's like, it is such an unbelievable honor to talk to you right now. He says that to her. Yeah. What if he could say that to you? <gasps> John. John and Amy. But what would you say to someone that's having a hard time giving up control that has not gone and watched that yet? I would say don't give up the good fight, but that fight might go better if you can adjust it a little bit. It's not really giving anything up because you never had control in the beginning, and that's okay. It's okay. Instead of letting fear govern yourself over those things that you can't control, you can hold tight to good things to come and that it will get better. People are awesome and you're strong. There is a God and a Savior who have perfect grace prepared for you to help you through it. I see you. After you were re-diagnosed, you talked about a song where he lays his keys down. Oh my gosh, it's so good, everyone. (gasps) The Abbott Brothers, No Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings. You have to go look it up. The song, No Hard Feelings. If I knew about technology enough, I would have that be like the closeout music, but here we are, and I am the host, and I do not know very much about technology. I have it on my phone. Okay, but you should just go look it up, but it just talks about how lovely life is, and... I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. No Hard Feelings by the Abbott Brothers. It's like my favorite song right now. It's Amy's favorite song right now, because that's how she wants to be, right? Yep. There's peace in it. There's peace in just letting go of stuff. Honing in on the present. It's the same stuff everyone keeps saying, I guess. It's all true, it turns out. Turns out there was nothing new tonight, but... (laughs) (laughs) But maybe you forgot. We talked anyway. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to say these couple things. I took a birthing class for one of my kids. For some reason, I didn't want to get an epidural with one of them. (laughs) I did the rest. They were all good experiences, so I'm glad that I did it. My birthing instructor, I can't remember the exact phrase, but her like theme was something like, we all know that birthing is hard, but what we might have forgotten is that women are strong. Truth. That is truth. Truth. Okay. So homework for you, I think it would be good for you to acknowledge, to, to write one of these for yourself. An example that I wrote for myself is, I know I have terminal cancer and I will likely die young. And yet... I am strong, and Christ's grace for me is perfect for this season and the next. Truth. Truth. So if it's coronavirus that is freaking you out, you can say, coronavirus is wreaking havoc across the world. What's the rest of it? What's your and yet? What's the thing you don't want to forget? The other part of that truth, the other, the yin to your yin. I don't have a corner on suffering. There's a lot of other hard things going on besides coronavirus and terminal cancer. So whatever your personal thing is, think about it, write it down, and remind yourself of it. Because you got this. Thanks, James. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our fabulous sponsor, Brianna Hoffman, the realtor. There's many ways that Brianna can accommodate during our current situation with the coronavirus. She can do virtual open houses, virtual showings, mass hand sanitizing. Brianna's known for her hand sanitizing in general. She's kind of a germ freak. She has got you covered, my people. For ICU podcast listeners, Brianna has a special deal. If you both sell your house and buy a house with Brianna and mention the podcast, she will give you 50% off the listing fees to sell your house. Brianna-Hoffman.com. That felt a little bit funny to do that ad after our first year. And I'm like, and then let's not forget. But we both love Brianna Hoffman a lot. So you can advocate for that Brianna is just a really good human being. 
Oh my gosh. She is literally the best. She literally She's just... She's the rock star of all rock stars. She really is, and she literally just brought you dinner, too. She did bring me dinner tonight, and it was good. We heart Brianna. I just gave her more than 30 seconds. Not fair, but it had to be done. All right, Amy, my sister, I love you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I love you. My name is Julie Lee. My name is Amy Strong. And we see you. We do. So that's such a good question that I wrote. <laughs> Just like to pat myself on the back there for a minute. <laughs> Do you have any idea about what you're about to say? <laughs> Just a little giggly right now. Okay. <laughs> I've been talking for so long. <laughs>